You're listening to audio from Highland Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. To find out more about Highland, go to www.hbcwaco.org. Well, good morning to you all. Glad that you're here today. Hope you're doing well. When things get crazy in a nation or when things get crazy in your lives, often one of the first things that get broken is our routine. I think that's why March 15th into about June 1st-ish felt like we were living on a different planet. Like it was just, it was so weird to live in a culture that seemingly changed overnight on how we dealt with one another, how we lived life, what we knew, what we did not understand, uh, the mask, the no mask, you know, how, how terrible is this going to be? We'll, we'll be okay by July 1st, certainly. And you know, here we are on November 1st. For our entire lives, we had gotten out of a car without a mask on, which is why I'm constantly hitting the front door of H-E-B, Target, name any restaurant. And remember, I don't have my mask. I have to walk all the way back to my car and get my mask. Our, our routine has, has been changed. I had a 50-year streak going of not wearing a mask in H-E-B, and now I have to wear a mask in, in H-E-B. It was a broken routine. And often when our, when our routines are, are broken, we're not real sure what to do. We, we, we kind of go into the, this panic mode, especially those who like a good routine. Um, some people, you don't have a routine, and that is your routine. Like, you're perfectly fine without having a routine in life. But there's a lot of people probably in the house today that you have a routine. A lot of you have morning routines. A lot of you, you're not a Christian until you get a cup of coffee. Some of y'all aren't good Christians until you get your second cup of coffee. That's kind of part of your routine in the morning. Um, you probably have nighttime routines. Jennifer and I have a nighttime routine. I like to get my room as cold as Jennifer will let me get that room and then put as many blankets on top of me as I can and, and then turn on a fan. Now, in our room, we don't have like a wimpy box fan. We have, we have purchased an industrial fan for, for our room. I don't want to hear SpaceX. I don't want to hear the burglars. I want my hair moving all throughout the night because of that fan. That's kind of our nighttime routine. We, we have routines. Most of us live in, in patterns. We live in rhythms, one of the things that simply can't be taken out of our routine in chaotic times is prayer. If you're taking notes and want to just wrestle with something this morning, maybe you can write this down or wrestle with this. Prayer is not just a good place to go when things are crazy. It's the only place to go. When, when life seems upside down, when things are crazy in a nation, things are crazy in your family, things are crazy with finances, things are crazy at school, things are crazy in your mind and in your heart, with politics, prayer can't just be one of those good places to go. Prayer really is the only place to go. And I imagine a lot of us in this room, we have tried other things to calm the crazy. You know, relationships or vices or substance, abusing substances. Whatever that might be for, for you, whatever that might be for me, I, I can tell you that nothing else works like entering into the presence of God in prayer. This is finally what Habakkuk does. He prays. Great decision, H. Let's go to Habakkuk chapter 3 together. So Habakkuk chapter 3 is where we are. We've been walking verse by verse through this great book in the Old Testament. I encourage you to get there 
open it up, and then keep it open the remainder of the morning. This is where we're going to be, Habakkuk chapter 3. If you're kind of new to church or new to the Bible, the book of Habakkuk is the fifth book from the end of the Old Testament, right in between Nahum and Zephaniah. Let me give you just a moment to, to find that place. We're going to be in Habakkuk chapter 3 today, starting in verse 1. We finished up chapter 1, chapter 2 last week, chapter 3, last chapter. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiganoth. And we'll definitely circle back to Shiganoth here in just a second. So Habakkuk decides to pray. He, he decides in, in the middle of this pending doom that's around him, this pending destruction, this pending judgment that is coming, he's going to pray. Now granted, in chapter 1, Habakkuk panics. I mean, he freaks out in chapter 1. He doesn't know what to do, what to think, does not know where God is, what God is up to. God, what what would you be doing? But finally, he circles back around here in chapter 3, verse 1, and he prays. He, He lands on prayer. He enters into the presence of God. Prayer helps us to breathe. Prayer helps us to sleep. Prayer, entering into the presence of God, recalibrates our hearts and our minds. It lowers our rage. It lowers our fear. It lowers our anxiety. It lowers our high blood pressure. Prayer reminds us of a powerful God who hears us and then acts on our behalf. This is why in the middle of crazy for Habakkuk, he circles back and he lands on prayer. Corey Tim Boom, an amazing woman, said this about prayer. The wonderful thing about praying is that you leave a world of not being able to do something and enter God's realm where everything is possible. God specializes in the impossible. Nothing is too overwhelming for his almighty power. Verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shiganoth. Now, Shikinoth is a, it's a, it's just a fun word to say. I know you don't want to say it out loud right now because it's kind of a weird thing maybe to just repeat a word out loud in, in church. But Shikinoth is a great word. If you slam your finger in the car door this, this week, just yell out Shikinoth. It's just it's a great, it's not even a curse word in Hebrew, but it just feels good to, to say it when you're a little upset. Shikinoth is it's a fascinating word, word in Hebrew. It's only used two times, one in the singular, once in the plural in the Old Testament, and, and here's how specific of a word it is. It means a, a, a poem or a song that is written to an erratic rhythm. I mean, that's how specific this word is. It's, it's a song or, or a poem or prose, an emotional song that has erratic rhythm to it. So all of chapter three is is a song. Even though it's a prayer, it's, it's a song. It's a emotional song with erratic rhythms throughout. In fact, we can see, if you want to, just look at the very last verse of this chapter, uh, verse 19 to the very end, and, and Habakkuk says, this is being sent, chapter 3 is being sent to the choir master to be played with stringed instruments. So Habakkuk, he is pretty proud of this song, and I guess OCD enough to say, and here's how I want it sung, and here's the instrumentation that I want behind this song. So it's an emotional song that has erratic rhythm. So just think Bohemian Rhapsody as we walk through this chapter together. Just crazy tunes, a change up in the pace as he sings this song. Back in chapter 3, verse 2. Oh Lord, I have heard the report of you. 
and your work, O Lord, do I fear. First of all, he says, O Lord, is the word Yahweh. It's God's name. And 6,824 times in the Old Testament, God's people will call him by his name, Yahweh. Here Habakkuk says, Yahweh, I, I know you. I've read the reports. I, I have seen your work. And God, this, this work of yours, your work, O oh Lord, I fear. In other words, I hear all the things that you are able to do. I know all that my Yahweh can do. And I am cautious. I tremble. I am in awe. In the midst of the years, revive it. What is that pronoun, it, referring back to? It's referring back to the work of God. So what Habakkuk is saying here is in the midst of these years, God, would you revive your work? In the midst of the years, would you make your work known? I want to give you four prayers that you can pray this week that are straight from this text. I've kind of labeled it four prayers to pray in crazy times. And I have a feeling this week may be one of the craziest times we've seen in a long time. So these are four short prayers that we can pray in crazy times. Here's, here's the first one, according to verse two. Number one, God, do your work. I would challenge you, sisters and brothers, to pray that prayer this week. God, would you do your work? Because Habakkuk is caught in a, in a crazy time. But notice, I think sometimes it's just as important to notice what the prophet does not pray as opposed to even what he does pray. He does not pray right here asking for deliverance. He does not ask for personal escape. He does not ask for personal ease. He does not ask for Israel to be spared of the, of the coming judgment. He does not pray that the Chaldeans would be defeated. He does not pray that Jerusalem would not be sacked. He doesn't ask any of those things. In the middle of a crazy season, a judgment season for Habakkuk, for Israel, here's his prayer. God, would you do your work? What a selfless prayer. What a steady saint. Say, God, this is not about me and what I feel and what's about to happen. It's not about my circumstances. But God, would you do your work? And let me just tell you, friends, when you've arrived at that prayer, you've arrived. When you can look at the problems around you, the problems in our world, the problems in our nation, maybe the problems even in your life. And, and you can say, like Habakkuk says here, God, all I care about is whatever happens, would you just do your work? Do your work in me. Do your work in my family. Do your work in my church. Do your work in my city. Do your work in my nation. What a tremendous prayer. Habakkuk's one desire, we see here in verse 2, his one desire was that things would be right according to to God's plan, not comfortable according to his. He wanted things to be the way that God wanted them to be. If you're looking for a New Testament equivalent of that, how about the middle of the Lord's Prayer? Thy kingdom come. God, your will be done. You want to see that in the life of our Savior? Jesus, as he is in the Garden of Gethsemane, is, is hoping even in his flesh that somehow this cup of wrath that will be poured on him for our sin, that somehow that 
could pass from him. But then Jesus circles back around and he says, but not my will, O Father, but your will be done. In essence, Habakkuk is saying, in essence, Jesus is saying, whatever I suffer is of no consequence as long as your work, O God, is revived. What a prayer. What a prayer for us to pray this week. God, do your work. And then he adds this very tender phrase at the end of verse two. And in wrath, remember mercy. God, in this this wrath that is coming, in this judgment that's coming, in the form of the Chaldeans coming to occupy and to destroy Israel and to take them into captivity, those four words, in wrath, remember mercy. Here's the second prayer you can pray this week and pray in this lifetime. God, show your mercy. Habakkuk does not say, and I love this, he does not say, God, would you remember all the good things we've done? He does not say here, God, would you remember our good works? He says, God, remember what? Mercy. Because if God just remembered all of our good works, you would have almost nothing to remember. Habakkuk just says, God, would you remember Mercy. Here's what Habakkuk is saying. Habakkuk is saying, God, would you please act like you? And in the middle of this hurt, would you show your mercy to your people? I'm going to swing back to that verse at the end of the sermon, so don't forget those four words. In wrath, remember mercy. Now in verses 3 through 15, and yes, we're going to cover all that, but quickly, you have what is called a theophany. It is a vision of, of God. So remember, this is a song that Habakkuk is singing, and he's going to expand on all the, the glorious excellencies of God. He's going to sing this sweeping, epic song that gives a glorious picture of God and praises God for all that God has done. He's reminding himself, he's reminding us today of these certain great facts and the long story of God's faithful redemption story to his people. So I'll go ahead and give you prayer number three. Here's prayer number three. God, I praise you for all you've done. God, do your work. God, show your mercy. God, I praise you for all you've done. So when I talk about this prayer, prayer number three, what I'm asking you to do when you pray, even today, even this week, even past an election, is to retrace and recount and remember all that God has done. I, I look around the room and I know that this is, the 10 o'clock is a pretty young congregation. I'll let you define if you're young or not, but a kind of a young congregation. But every now and then, people who are young, you look over your left shoulder, or you kind of look in front of you a few rows and you go, man, that person has been around for a while. Those people who have been around for a while, have long songs of how faithful God has been to them. Don't believe me? You better be very nice about this. Go ask someone around you when this gathering is over who, let's just say, looks a little bit older than you. We'll leave it at that. That might be a nice way to do this. And just say, hey, you know, that preacher guy said I should ask someone older than me and you look, well, a little bit older than me. Has God really been faithful? Has he really been good? Has he really carried you in life? And I'm just going to trust 
and the faithfulness of God for every person in this room that might be just a little bit older than you. You see, older people have long songs of how faithful God has been. Habakkuk chapter three, verse three, God came from Timon. That's not the meerkat from Lion King. This is a mountain on the Arabian Peninsula. And, and the Holy One came from Mount Paran. Mount Paran is the same place as Mount Sinai. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light and rays flashed from his hand. And there he veiled his power. Habakkuk is remembering when God visited his people at Mount Sinai and gave Moses the law. Verse 5, before him went pestilence and, and plague followed at his heels. Habakkuk now is remembering the, the, the exodus from, from Egypt and how God used the power of the plagues to let his people go. Habakkuk chapter 3 verse 6, God stood and measured the earth and he looked and he shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. Habakkuk is remembering he's singing of the power of God over nature, the power of God over, over creation. Verse 7, I I saw the tents of Cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. He is remembering the victory that the Israelites had over Cush and Midian. Uh, The curtains that are mentioned here in the ESV are talking about the tent curtains. The tent curtains were, were shaking in the victory of God. He is saying here in sweeping terms that God controls history, that God raises up and he puts down nations as he desires. Verse 8, was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses, on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from, the, from your bow, calling for many arrows. Now let me stop right here. We've seen it once, but now we come to the word Hebrew word selah. And probably a lot of you know what this word means. In Hebrew, it means stop and reflect on what you just read. And so I think maybe Habakkuk, as he is singing this song, he comes to this point where he's maybe a little overwhelmed over the song that he is singing about the power of God. And he just says, stop for a moment. Selah, rest and remember what we just heard. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. That the raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. And look what the deep does. The oceans, it lifted its hands. We can assume here in worship to God on high. Remembering again that God controls his creation. That nothing stands in the way of God. Verse 11. That the sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows as they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. Habakkuk is recalling the the battle back in Joshua chapter 10 when God caused the sun to stay up. Where the sun, sun stood still at the command of God. Verse 12, you marched through the sea in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed, probably referencing Jesus. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. Now, this is a really funny place, I think, for Habakkuk to say, Selah. Just remember that poor man who was opened up between his thigh and his neck. And think about that for a few moments. Rest in that beautiful thought. 
Now, you pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. This is kind of list after list on how God has defeated his foes. He's a faithful God of, of victory. Verse 15, you trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of, of mighty warriors. Nothing can stop God. If God wants to march right through the sea, he can, he can do it. The prophet is just reminding himself and for us today, reminding our hearts as well of all these facts on God. And here's the key. If you're looking for the key to survival when a nation goes crazy, here's the key on how to survive crazy. You look back and you start remembering God's continued and constant and never ending and never hesitating and never stopping faithfulness. And you just take it from there. This is what Habakkuk is doing. He's remembering all that God has done. He's remembering all that God has accomplished. Let me just say to you today, Christ followers, that you can stand face-to-face with any problem. You can stand face-to-face with any circumstance and know that not only is God always right and know that not only God always loves you and always cares for you, but he is absolutely and eternally faithful. So I'll say that prayer again. God, I praise you for all you've done. And history records for us that these remembrances of Habakkuk were justified because the Chaldeans would last as a world power for about 50 to 65 years after Habakkuk would write this and then they would be wiped off the face of the earth in history. Israel? Well, they signed a peace accord six weeks ago with the UAE. God keeps his covenants. I think the greatest apologetic for God is the nation of Israel. God holds his own. Habakkuk 3.16. I think this is, well, let me just read it to you. Then I'll tell you why I think it's funny. I hear, which means I'm hearing what I'm singing, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. He must not have had a very good singing voice. He does not like the way he is sounding. His body's trembling, his lips quivering, and it feels like there's, his bones are rotting. And my legs are trembling beneath me, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. So Habakkuk starts shaking, probably one of two reasons. One, he's shaking because he has just remembered through his own song the power, the sovereignty, the majesty of God. Or or he's shaking because he realizes judgment is still coming. The Chaldeans are still coming to destroy Jerusalem. They're still coming to take God's people away into captivity. And they would be, listen, the Chaldeans would be victorious. I want to write this down somewhere. I think this would be a good word for us. Prayer may not change the circumstances, but it always changes your heart. And really, isn't that what we're after? A heart change, a heart transformation. And often God does change our circumstances. God often does change the, the situation. 
But God, always, because prayer is our hearts drawing into the presence of God. Our hearts are always changed in prayer. So here would be my fourth prayer that we could pray this week. God, change my heart. We have prayed for our nation. You have prayed for our nation, and rightfully so. But what about this personal prayer? God, would you change me? God, would you do your work? God, would you show your mercy? God, I praise you for all that you've done. God, would you change my heart? I told you we're going to do this. Would you go back to verse two? Just those last four words. In wrath, remember mercy. God, in your judgment, would you remember your mercy toward us? Here's what Habakkuk is saying. God, we have nothing to offer you. We have not one thing to say on our behalf. We have nothing to commend ourselves with except to ask you to act like you. God, please remember your mercy inside of your judgment. And here's good news. That's how God always operates. Always. Because in Habakkuk chapter 3, verse 2, in wrath, remember mercy, we see beautifully on this side the cross of Jesus Christ. The judgment, the wrath for all of our lies and all of our lusts, all of our addictions and all of our anger, all of our self-righteousness, the wrath and the judgment do us because of our self-centeredness and all of our failures and all of our rebellion is placed on Jesus. You see, there was wrath and there was mercy at the cross. But this is what's so baffling to me. The judgment was placed on Jesus. And the mercy was placed on me. Christian, the wrath was placed on Christ. And that mercy was placed on you. Would you stand with me, please, for us to pray together? Father, this is our prayer today. Would you do your work? God, we're not concerned about our own lives, our own ease. God, would you just do your work, revive your work in our days? And God, would you show your mercy towards your people? Would you show mercy? God, we, we know that you're a, a God who judges. We know you're a God who pours out wrath against those who rebel against you. God, our, our tender plea to you today would be, God, please, would you show your mercy? All of us in this room, God, we could praise you for the rest of the days of our lives just based on what you have done already. God, we know you'll continue to be faithful to us. You're continuing to pour out the generosity of your faithfulness to your daughters and to your sons day in and day out. And God, in a week where it's going to be easy just to think about other people and other things, 
this be our simple prayer? God, would you change our hearts? God, would you change my heart? We praise you today for the cross where you did remember mercy in the middle of judgment. The judgment, the wrath that we deserved for all of our failures, all of our rebellion, all of our sin. Jesus absorbed this for us that we might experience the mercy of God. How rich you are in your mercy toward us, oh God. We were sinners, but you are rich in your mercy. We thank you that in wrath you remembered mercy. In Christ we now sing our song. Amen.